In a world where hockey was totally suspended, one man came correct with news for podcasts to talk about. His name is Doug Armstrong, but this summer in a theater near you, you'll know him as the man with the iron pen. What's up, everything? McEachern, Blay, and Scandella, oh my! Our boy Army brought the thunder this week, and we've got plenty to talk about, even with hockey passing the one-month mark of their unplanned pandemic hiatus. But the big question still remains, how the hell are we going to keep Alex Petrangelo? We may not have answers, but we need plenty of time to speculate wildly, so let's get started, and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is Sunday, 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 April nineteenth, at a venue that is individual venues. <laughs> I didn't have, I didn't know what we were promoting, so I ran out of steam. We're here. I'm here, and Ian's over there in another place, and we're talking hockey. Ian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great on the planet of Saturn. Oh, very impressive. That's very a gas impressive. giant. That's true. You know it is. Uh, <laughs> healthy and, and well in the new apartment, I trust. Yeah, it's all, all settled in. I'm much more settled in now because I've just been working here for two weeks. That's that's true. It makes it easy to settle in. <laughs> I ask these questions as if we haven't been talking for the last hour. A little, little behind-the-scenes info for you folks. Podcast baseball. Podcast hosts don't just start speaking when the podcast starts, believe it or not. Usually those how-are-you-doing things, they've already asked that question. It's it's for you. It's for your benefit. So there you go. There you go. Like like Ian said, Inside Baseball, the podcast community. <laughs> that blew some minds out there, But, you know, we're, we're trying to keep it real with the people during this troubling time. We are, we are as I said in the intro, um, past the one-month mark, I think now, of, of NHL in pausement or whatever you want to call it. Man, it feels um, like a lot longer. It right? does. It does. And it does. I feel like both with that and with the broader quarantine, it feels like this has been life forever, but also like, I feel like when back on March 20th or whatever, they were like, yeah, you're indoors until at least April 20th, which of course has now been pushed back. I felt like that would take much longer, you know? So mm-hmm. like, it's a little bit of both, which I think we talk about a lot. But uh, we're here, we're talking. We don't have, you know, really personal life updates because we don't really have a personal life anymore. I'm a year older. My birthday was Friday. It was dull because inside. Uh, but you, you know what, Ian? I, I honestly, I think I just don't like birthdays. Uh, can I say that? I feel like I'm an introvert to begin with. And I feel like it's just an excuse to have raised expectations, which can then be disappointing. <laughs> tell like, you what, 29's not fun. No, no, exactly. And I got like, I feel like what, you know, I want people to make a big deal about it, you know, because everyone wants to feel special. But also, if people made a really big deal out of it, I would be mortified. You know, like if people were like, you know, 
if you said my name to the waitress at the restaurant and had him sing happy birthday, oh. I would die inside. So like, well, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. And even like, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert enough where it's like, if you threw me a party, like if it was my close friends, great. But like, you know, if someone organized that, even that I'd be like, yeah, but it's a party with people and I don't want to go do that either. So it's really my fault. It's my pickiness. But, you know, I think for quarantine, it was as good as can be. And uh, one of my friends got me a ukulele. So that's that's how I'm occupying my time. And uh, here we are. Uh, Have you learned any songs, Stephen? I... Um, I know a few chords, and it turns out a lot of ukulele songs use the same chords, so <laughs> I'm getting there. I, I would say that I'm actually like putting some effort into this. So you Can know. you or can you not play me uh, whatever that is from Over the Rainbow? I cannot do that yet, uh, but I can do Vance Joy's Riptide or most oh. of it, so you know. We got little, we got little bits and pieces here. Maybe that'll be a special feature on a future episode. But uh, yeah, I think we can. Uh, well, good news is we've actually got some things to talk about here, and I just hockey. Wa- I just want to say, news. yeah, I want to say we don't we don't give shout outs very often on the podcast, but you know, as as we're prone to saying, shout out to the homie Doug Armstrong. Uh, because he he came correct with some some real news and putting putting pen to paper this week with a few blues players and also you know ever ever concerned with the quality and content of St. Louis area hockey podcast he also left the big fish out there unsigned so we have a little bit of intrigue you know a little bit of mystery mm-hmm. to talk about I know I know everybody wants the Petrangelo resolution right now but that's just terrible for us podcast hosts so really Doug putting us front and center as he always does so we just have to thank him for that uh, but yeah we got a uh, we got three big signings that well two one big signing and two <laughs> other signings but we got three signings this week for the blues even though other uh nhl gms are sleeping on the job dougie's putting in work and the first one that came down the pipe chronologically uh was sammy blay um he is a former what sixth round pick right who sprouted mm-hmm. and became a big physical forward uh and uh, he signed a two-year, $3 million contract extension, which is good for a $1.5 million AAV. And I think of these three extensions that we're about to talk about, probably my favorite by a good long ways. I don't know. What are your initial thoughts? Yeah, I would agree. And it, it helped or hurt. I don't know either one um, that this was the first one of the three. I was like, ah, oh, this feels good. This feels right. Um, play a forward that I thought for sure for a long time was going to be a fourth line forward, a career fourth liner, just from the way people talked about him. He can hit hard. He makes a few plays where he's, you know, tough to play against and all that. And then as time has gone on, we've sort of found out that he's more of a a third line, even second line player, finding, you know, some space with uh, O'Reilly and Perron last season. And it seems like he's only improved every season that he's been up with the club. He's had a few injury problems here and there, especially this season, but He's a player that, um, I don't know, I, I, I feel like I don't exactly know what Sammy Blay is yet, and that's okay. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm I'm actually excited about feeling that way about him because it feels like he could be a 30-point player on the third line or he could be like a 50-point player on the second line. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's got a lot of potential. 
Yeah, and I think he's, you know, a, a guy who looked when he started the season like he was on track to be a 20-goal scorer uh, when he was getting a lot of high ice. High oh, yeah, you forget about that. Yeah, before his injury, he got a lot more ice time higher at the lineup. And, and, you know, right now he has 13 points in 40 games, which isn't spectacular, but you've seen what he can do, the impact he made in, like, game six against Dallas last year immediately. And also I think he's just a player that Craig Berube likes to have and has a lot of experience and personal connection with. And I, I don't think it's necessarily bad to sign a player that your coach just likes you know, especially if you can do it at this kind of a low dollar value. And I don't, I don't, I think Sammy Blay is the best of like the McEachern, who also got an extension, obviously, and like Della Rose and some of those guys that kind of are fighting for them, maybe those bottom six spots. I think I like him the best anyway. Uh, Mm -hmm. But if it was more of a toss up, you know, if if Baruby's the one, or if Blay is the one that Baruby likes and that he has experience with, I don't really have a problem with just saying, okay, then that's the guy that we're keeping and and giving the the quote unquote bigger contract to. On top of that, like I said, I do think he happens to be the best and and like you said, most sort of a mystery still of those in terms of like, you know, we're pretty confident Mackenzie McEachern's never going to be a 50-point player um, or a 20-goal scorer with Sammy Boy. You don't know that for sure. And so I like this deal a lot. I don't think it, you know, it, it doesn't risk anything really. It's just a, you know, it's what, not even twice a, an entry-level contract. So very cost-controlled. I assume he's probably an RFA at the end of it. I didn't mm-hmm. check, but I would wager that he probably is, although I realize he's a little older because it took him a while to develop. Um, he is an RFA at the end of it. So, uh, you know, we just kind of a, a win-win for the Blues, and I think good to have him, good to keep him. Uh, Robert Thomas and Vince Dunn get to keep their Fortnite partner, uh, and it's just wins mm-hmm. all around. I don't know. You have anything more to say about that one? Which of those three players is the better Fortnite player? You know, I haven't watched carefully enough. I'm sure some of our listeners could tell us. I know Dunn, it's like his stream, so I don't know if he's like the shot caller and like, you know, gets stuff done, no pun intended. Feels like like he probably would be. Uh, But yeah, and you know, he's he's the distributor on the ice, although I guess Thomas is too, but you know. He's the puck possession guy, so maybe, maybe, uh, maybe he's the builder. You know, he kind of he kind of sets things up, and then the the other guys play around him and take the shots. That would that would make a lot of sense. But mm-hmm. you know, I've put far too much thought into this discussion already. I think. I mean, but... if they were real men, they'd be playing Warzone. So. <laughs> That's right. And you know, we could just watch them and determine this, but I think which better for us to speculate wildly with no yeah, evidence. That's what this podcast's about. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, Mackenzie McEachern was not next chronologically, but in terms of significance, we'll discuss him first because he's insignificant. <laughs> uh, with with I say with respect, but he signed a two year one point eight million dollar contract, which does have that. Um, AAV, the $900,000 entry-level AAV. Um, And, uh, you know, this is fine to me. I feel like, and I say this with due respect, and we all like him a lot, he's a kind of a a dime-a-dozen player, but a fun one, you know? And I think if you don't think every franchise has a McKenzie McEachern, I'd suggest to you that you value McKenzie McEachern a little too highly. Uh, but he does get, 
you know, you look at some of his some of his metrics over at Hockey Viz. He doesn't get more pressure on the net uh, with, you know, the team gets more pressure on the net with him on the ice than they do without. And he, you know, conversely is a little bit of a defensive liability, but not a, a major severe one. Um, I don't mind this signing, but it's one of those weird things where I think some people were like, thank God we kept Mackenzie McEckern. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Sure. You know, that's, that's cool. I don't know. You know? Yeah. I mean, you just, you re-signed a fourth liner who's going to be, you know, in and out of your lineup as a scratch and that's great. And you need those players and you didn't sign them for literally, was that the lowest you can go? Mm-hmm. Right. Or pretty close to it. I think so. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, obviously fine. You got to fill, got to fill those roles. And I think I'd rather have McEachern than say like maybe even Adela Rose who's still out there to be signed as an RFA for us. If we, if we want to, just because I don't know, I feel like, I feel like he's got a little more offensive upside. I think ever since I saw him score on uh carry price, when we, I think routed the Habs like six to two or something last year, uh, I just sort of thought, you know what? I like the, I like the little scoring touch that you have, mm-hmm. you know, that you bring to the table. So I'm glad to see him still here, but yeah, like you said, not didn't really move the needle for me at all. Yeah. I just think he's, you know, and the thing we ne- we can never really know for sure is maybe he's extremely popular in the locker room, you know? Oh yeah. And if that's true, then, you know, sure. Throw $900,000 at him. Who cares? You know, but um, I don't think that, you know, it's just kind of the climate of this, team right now and winning the cup and how well they've been doing since then that they there's probably not a lot of appetite for much turnover roster wise and so you're just going to keep who you can keep you know and and i think that's fine i mean that makes sense to me i don't care you know and like i said the the flip side of him being a dime a dozen is like there's no reason to not not spend this dime instead of going and finding another dime (laughs) yeah yeah um that's true so he is, you know, he's, he's great. I don't mind that. Uh, but the big fish, uh, in terms of dollar value, significance to the team, everything else. And I, th- I would say the most surprising of these contracts in terms of, you know, there seemed like there was more of a chance that this guy might not be with the team than either of the other two guys is the Marco Scandella contract that came down on Thursday. Uh, Doug Armstrong signed Marco Scandella to a four year, $13.1 million uh, contract extension with an average annual value of 3.275 million. This is after we traded a second round pick. And I think a fourth round pick that we now have surrendered because we extended him, mm-hmm. uh, to Montreal for his rights, and he played 11 games here before the hiatus, had one assist, and averaged 20 minutes on ice per night. And I think I read in a in a um, in a uh, Jeremy Rutherford mailbag that we allowed three goals with him on the ice in that time, which mm-hmm. is probably you know more of an anomaly than anything. But it does you know it speaks highly of him. And that's the look, thing. That's nice. It just seems like a small, small sample size yeah, for yeah. to and, start off. And you look at the the Finviz chart or the Finviz, <laughs> uh, the Hockey Viz chart. Finviz is a website for financial geeks. So if anyone knew that, you know, shout out to you. But Hockey Viz <laughs> nerd chart here, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and you know, the defense looks stupendously better with him on the ice. Uh, there are some hot spots where we're worse. Uh, but for the most part, those are kind of at the perimeters and, and not in very dangerous spots. There's a little bit of a trouble in the high slot. Um, but, you know, 
he's he's protecting what he needs to protect for the most part. The offense is even a little stronger with him on the ice, which isn't necessarily what he's known for. But I think in the time we saw him, he seemed, you know, competent in the offensive zone. He didn't strike mm-hmm. you as like a... Um, you know, I don't know. I don't want to throw Jay Bomeister under a bus, but more of that type of player where it's just like black holes too strong, but that you do not expect them to provide, provide anything offensively. Scandell yeah. is a little better than that, and I believe he has a really hard shot, which, you know. Not a muffin. That's right. Which So no David Noel here. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> poor David Noel. He's going to be getting buried on this podcast long after his NHL dreams have died. <laughs> um, you know. A real David Noel that's type right. this one. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but do you want I, – I don't know. I'll, I'll say what I thought first and then you can add your thoughts. This This troubled me. Initially, upon reading it, and even the more I've chewed upon it, it troubled me. And even in a vacuum from the Petrangelo stuff that we'll obviously talk about at length in a moment, um, this just feels like the classic Army mistake where the cap hit isn't bad, but it's just too long. Mm-hmm. You know, which is weird because the one bad contract he avoided giving out was saying, no, David Backus, I'm not giving you a fifth year. So it's that's not always his Achilles heel. Uh, but in this case, it just feels like I would have been great, again, in a vacuum absent the Petrangelo discussion with a two-year, 3.5 or even $4 million contract for Scandella. But a four-year commitment... This is a guy, and I know it's Buffalo, and I know you want people are tempted, you know, are tempted to just say, doesn't count. It's Buffalo, and I get that, and and you know we've had some success bringing players in from Buffalo and mm-hmm. uh, making them Conn Smythe Trophy winners. So you know, I but when he was in Buffalo, I forgot to finish that sentence. <laughs> this is a guy that we were looking at as kind of a lemon at the beginning of the season, you know, and, and especially last season was really rough for him. And they kind of looked, Buffalo looked at him as the guy who wasn't good enough anymore to be there, which is a bad sign. And then he went to Montreal, his hometown, and he looked a lot better playing there in 20 games. And then we traded a much higher price to get him from Montreal, and he looked great here for 11 games. But like you already said, and I think it's the the kind of classic but also the operative term here, that's just a small sample size. And to commit for four years, even at a, you know, a relatively manageable cap hit, um, when the salary cap is uncertain, certainly next year and probably for a number of years after that, uh, just kind of sort of rub me the wrong way and maybe maybe he's a guy that you think okay maybe he has another good season here and and then seattle's interested in him or whatever i don't know but uh that was my initial thought and i'm you know again trying to talk without the petrangelo consideration so what did you think of it yeah if i go through the mindset of it all i feel like it's just like you're saying in a vacuum the signing already feels kind of like eh, too you know just like the money's fine, but just for a little too long, you know, mm-hmm. and then it's like I'm almost more willing to sign him for a little more money, say like a 3.5 or even a little over that if we're going to just sign him for like maybe two years, you know, two to maybe even three. Um, so already it's just too long. But and he'll, like you said, he'll be 34 at that point. And it's just funny to me that if 
if this is an answer, maybe not an answer, but if this is us going, hey, we're not going to sign for transload all that money because, I mean, God, he's going to be old by the time it's over. We can't pay him that money. I get this is a different player on a different side um, with for less money, but it still feels like, hey, but you're paying this other guy probably too much for too long also as he's getting older. And he wasn't necessarily stellar to begin with. Um, speaking of which, he, you know, we said he played his 11 games. He played really well through the 11 games that the Blues had him this year. But uh, I think our friend Justin Hornaker pointed out that his PDO is something like 106.3 or something like that, which PDO is essentially just like your luck on the ice with like 100 being average. So if you're within like a point or two or two points of that, you're, you're about normal. But like 106.3, I get that's going to be super inflated because you only played 11 games, but that's just going to show, man, he, he played pretty good, but you're just not going to expect to see results such as, you know, three – goals allowed across 11 games with him on the ice you're going to expect that to obviously come down a bit or i guess the goal uh production against him to increase and it's i don't know it's just yeah it's too too soon from 11 games i get that they can scout the guy i get they have video that's not like they only have ever seen marco scandela play 11 games you know wearing a hockey jersey mm-hmm. but at the same time it's just like all indications i've seen point to him being like just a fine defenseman and that's in a vacuum. So if you take yourself out of that, it just feels like a bigger, I don't know, punch of the gut seems a little bit strong. But along those lines, when it's like, hey, he just signed at the beginning of the season, traded for Justin Falk, great, signed Justin Falk for too much money for too long. And you're like, ah, geez. And then all of a sudden to, to cap the season off, because I just don't think it's coming back, he does this with Marco Scandella. And it's like, man, this is kind of, to a lesser extent, the same thing, you know, and you're like, oh, why, you know, why'd you go ahead and do that? And it's, and you could say, oh, you know, he's just so well aware Petrangelo is not coming back. So he's like just allocating his money elsewhere. And it's like, yeah, but I, I would still say that you could probably do a better job with it than that. And this just kind of goes back to the whole thing where Doug Armstrong, great, great at making trades. I think stupendous, generally speaking, at making trades. I'd say on average, he makes good trades, which is much better than most NHL GMs, like far and wide. Mm-hmm. But the signings he makes, he still he makes some good signings. He doesn't make nothing but bad signings, but that's where his weakness does lie. I mean, sure. Jake, yeah. Jake Allen, Dory Laterra, Alex Steen to an extent, um, Justin Falk now, Marco Scandella. It just seems like it's just too much it's too much or it's like it always seems like it's too long and i get that's his his um strategy because mm-hmm. it's always like oh we're keeping the aav down and i'm like are we keeping the aav down to fit people in because who are we fitting in you know right at a certain point not everyone is going to be willing to play a ball and say yes i'll take this many years for a lower aav at some point some guys just want to say hey especially guys in their prime i want to get paid this x amount of dollars and if you can't offer it to me i'm gone and you can hold fast and say well we're that's what we do we just extend people for a long time we pay them you know a small amount of money each year because that's our game plan but then you're going to lose out on some guys i guess i'm kind of getting sidetracked here but i marco scandella all things considered it's like fine but it's it's just a worrisome trend i feel like we're committing too long to guys that are exiting their prime, which will be ironic in whatever five, ten minutes when I argue for the fact that we need to keep Alex <laughs> Petrangelo. 
clip this and then put it there later. But no, I do think, I think even more so, maybe you'll disagree with this. It's interesting to see what your take on this will be. But like, even more than just like he signed some bad contracts, I think his problem is more specifically that he jumps the gun sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, because like Yori Laterra, for example, he played a year here. It's a very good year. And then you had to sign him to a contract extension immediately. And I know that the thinking there is, well, sure, but if he plays another good year here and then he's a UFA, which I think he would have been in that case, he can demand a lot, a whole lot more money, you know? Mm-hmm. And same with Jake Allen. It's like he, I, I'm pretty sure, you can correct me if you remember differently, but I'm pretty sure he had a year left on his deal when he signed the current extension. And it was a year where he was about to go into being a starter for the whole year uh, because we traded Brian Elliott. And, you know, you can say, well, it was a confidence boost, or you can say, well, we didn't want him to have a year as a starter, play really well, and then demand a whole lot more money. But again, you give him the extension then, and now it's one that we're regretting. I think Steen had a year left on his deal when we gave him the extension. Um, And it's just, you know, Justin Falk, you hadn't even seen him play a game in a Blues jersey yet, and you gave him, him an extension. You know, and and it's especially baffling to me when it's RFAs, but like when it's, you know, in this case, obviously you don't have a lot of time to re-sign Marco Scandella, but I don't see what the issue is with saying, hey, Marco, we really like you and, and we think we'd like to keep you long term, but we've just got to figure out our captain. You know, it's it's not a, it's it's one thing to if it's like, well, yeah, we we like you, but we've really got to figure out where even Vince Dunn fits. You know, even saying that to a veteran defenseman might be kind of like a little bit of a slap in the face, you know, mm-hmm. but like our captain who just helped us win the Stanley Cup and is pretty and arguably one of the top 10 defenders in the league. We got to figure out where he fits and we'd love to fit you into that same puzzle, but we've got to make sure the border pieces are filled in first, you know? Yeah, I found that so baffling. I saw that on Twitter a lot. And even from guys like uh, Rutherford and uh, Luke Horak and stuff that would say, well, see, the whole deal is they're signing all these players to get them out of the way so that Doug Armstrong knows what he has has left for Petrangelo. He's basically trying to get them all out of the way so he can focus on Petrangelo. Like, why didn't he just focus on Petrangelo? Yeah, <laughs> like, to me. like, just because you you can do hypothetical math, you know what I mean? Like, just because you didn't sign Marco Scandella yet, you can talk with his camp and figure out what he's asking and then sort of, you know, budget it in. That's what a budget's for. Yeah. You can budget things without actually spending the money yet. I don't have to spend all my money on groceries to, like, literally get it out of my hands and then be like, do I have money for gas later? Well, first I need to spend all, all my money on groceries first and then we'll figure it out. And be <laughs> yeah. like, well, maybe you should budget it. Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah, like- it was kind of a ridiculous argument. I don't know if that came from Armstrong or not, but I was like, I don't, I don't think people understand how future money that sounds. also i don't understand like to me even if you want to go by that argument wouldn't you want to figure out petrangelo and then see how much money you had for everybody else and yeah see exactly. where they fit instead of once again you know it's a kind of a flawed analogy but instead of leaving the biggest piece out of the puzzle and just hoping that it would make sense you know, it's like a crossword puzzle. You'd like to start with the longer words because then you can do all the other parts, you know? But yeah, like, exactly. And I, no, I think 
to continue the analogies, I really think Doug Armstrong um, is just so conservative about, you know, how he's building his team and how he's keeping his team together, which generally speaking, a good idea. You don't want to just be, you know, playing fast and loose. But at the same time, I feel like you get so worried about being caught with his pants down that he just like over tightens his belt. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, no, 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 no. I got to have, I got to have all these things short up. And it's like, like, okay, you do. But now you have like no room for anything fun or amazing or this big piece. You know, you just kind of have to like go, you have to go with your platoon again. And which now he's got a bleeding waistline because the leather's cutting into his, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, sawed himself. In hand. <laughs> That's right. And I think you know we're we're basically have transitioned into the Petrangelo topic, but like, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it may, it would make more sense to me to say, hey, Alex Petrangelo to me is the piece that we have to figure out. Um. Mm-hmm. So you figure him out. And you sign him, and then even if you, even if Doug Armstrong right now is one hundred and fifteen percent convinced that he can trade Jake Allen, that he can trade, I don't know whoever Carl Gunnarsson, and that he can buy out Alex Steen, and that that's a perfect you know Bing Bang Boom sign Alex Petrangelo with that amount of money, even if he's a hundred percent convinced you can do that. I don't see why you don't do that in reverse and do Petrangelo first. And then you have those options to report, to do, you know, to fit in guys like Scandella and McEachern mm-hmm. and Blay, two of whom weren't even going anywhere, you know? And so, so I think this is him trying to play hardball, which is like, and he's failing at it. I feel like he's trying to be like, look, if you're not going to sign for what we want, I'm just going to go ahead and sign these other guys, man. Yeah. You know, I'm just got, which I kind of, I admire a little that he's just like, you know what? I got a whole team to worry about, you know, no big deal. But at the same time, it is also like your captain and like mm-hmm. your biggest piece on the back end. It's not like you're trying to play hardball with like, say Vince Dunn or, you know, or Sammy Blay or David Perron, or, you know or what I mean? Or even like if Braden Shin had gotten this yeah. and been an RF or UFA, you know, like that's as much as we all love Braden Shin, that's just not the same level of like black and white, like, end all be all negotiation you know because you can mm-hmm. replace him in theory you cannot replace you can't replace alex petrangelo you can build a team without alex petrangelo but mm-hmm. as we've said all season that's going to be a very different team uh, so i get i i cut a section from rutherford's mailbag uh kind of you know pointing to the quote that you were talking about um and i'll just read it it's three paragraphs go subscribe to the athletic i don't even think you have to right now i think they're free during quarantine or they just toss them a quarter that's right exactly that's how much it normally costs there's probably a promo code where you can get three (laughs) months for a quarter type yeah type quarter into a promo code (laughs) and i'm sure that's how much type our promo code cups um So he was he was in this whole kind of diatribe about like some people think these uh, signings mean the end of Petrangelo and like maybe maybe they actually did talk to Petrangelo's team and they're going to leave for nine million and there's nothing Armstrong can do about it. But then he said the more logical line of thinking is that the Blues needed an experienced left side defenseman and Scandella showed in 11 seasons, 11 games this season that he can be it. As I wrote a couple of days ago in my who stays and who goes evaluations after his trade for Montreal, Scandella was on the ice for 188 minutes of five on five and only three goals were scored against the Blues. Terrible use of the passive voice. There was a belief before the Jay Vomister situation that he might 
might have come back next season. And with that unlikely now at $3.25 million, Scandella's AAV is essentially what Bomeister's was last year. Sure, but that was already coming off the books. Anyway, there was some public criticism of Scandella getting four years at $3.275 million per year, but Evolving Hockey had his next contract pegged at three years and $3.3 million per year. That's one less year. I like it better. That extra year, which will take the defenseman to age 34, was likely needed to get the AAV down and the deal done. Then you don't do the deal. Yes, the Blues will have (laughs) Nico Mikola and Scott Perunovic in the mix on the left side next season, along with Vince Dunn and Carl Gunnarsson, but Mikola and Perunovic will be rookies. The way I see it, the Blues solidified an area that needed it and will continue to prioritize re-signing Petrangelo. He likely is in line for a long-term extension in the range of $9 million per year, but that might not be possible with the Blues or with any other team. He might not have, he might have no other option than to take a shorter-term contract now and position himself for a long-term deal later when the cap rises again. But the bottom line is, I don't think Armstrong did anything Thursday to jeopardize Petrangelo's potential return. Now, the Blues currently have $79.5 million committed against the cap with Vince Dunn remaining as an RFA. This is me talking again, just for clarity. Uh, Andy Strickland reported that the players were told that the salary cap isn't moving next season. Pierre Lebrun sort of balked at that tweet, but also sort of said, but yeah, that's probably what will happen. So I don't know exactly what that was other than a fuck you, Andy, which, you know, fine. Um, to me, the cap not lowering is kind of the best case scenario. Like staying the same is a win over them mm-hmm. moving it to $77 million or whatever, you know? Um, so that's almost fine. That means the Blues currently have roughly $2 million against the cap, uh, which is, you know, I think... JR's article was written before the McEachern signing, but that's, you know, you can get $900,000. That's not the breaking point. Um, But the Blues have roughly $2 million left to spend against the cap with Petrangelo and Dunn remaining unsigned. So that's a big, you know, what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there's plenty of talk about the possibility of compliance buyouts. And if there are compliance buyouts, even if there's just one, that's, a, you know, a huge victory for the Blues in this situation because they can go buy out uh, whoever. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. And, um, you know, then they're in the queer, and that's fine. But f- I failing that... I've heard a lot of this kind of dream scenario where it's like, well, you just buy out Steen and then you trade Allen and Falk and Gunnarsson and then you sign Petrangelo, no problem. And that's a great world to live in. I'm sure it's one where Carol Baskin didn't kill her husband and the streets (laughs) are lined with gumdrops and rose petals because that world doesn't exist. That's just, I, I just, you can't, I don't know, Solve that puzzle for me, and how do you do all those things? Um, that's interesting. <laughs> because like how I did all the vamping, and then you get to solve the yeah. impossible puzzle. <laughs> so uh, the funny thing is, um, at the beginning of this season, or in the off season, even we had talked about how we need to trade Jake, trade Jake Allen to open up that four point five million dollar cap space that he would with him gone and I think we thought he was definitely tradable that summer with now with you know a cup winner and he actually did decently towards the end of uh, last season and then this season he actually played 
very well. And so I think trading him is like super easy now. I think extremely easy. I think if you don't trade him now, it's an absolute mistake because he is like at the height at the height of his height, minus like, of course, as we all know, uh, stymieing uh, Minnesota back in the day. I still don't think we get a ton for him. Oh, oh at this point, I don't even want but, anything. I just want the four point five million dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we get it. Wouldn't be what I would have thought it might have been in the past, where we have to give up value to get his contract off our books. Some team. We'll look at Jake Allen as their goalie of the near to midterm future. They'll be wrong, but they will do it. <laughs> um, you definitely get some picks for him, and the and picks are what you need anyways at this point. You don't want anyone against your cap, or if, if they are, you want someone that's in the minors anyways or a, or a prospect, I suppose. But goalies seem to always just go for picks, Yeah, I feel like. It's kind of ironic, actually, now that I think about it, because I've thought about, like, I don't think a, a compliance buyout for Steen might make sense because I don't think you have any cap penalty then. I think that's the point. Um, but I don't think like a regular normal buyout makes any sense for Steen, which I've seen a lot of, and we can talk about that in a minute. But I have thought about the scenario like the Capitals did where they traded Brooks Orpik to the uh, Avalanche and had them buy him out and then re-signed Brooks Orpic and it just mm. occurred to me that they did that they incentivized that by trading him with Philip Grubauer <laughs> so maybe oh, yeah, yeah. maybe there's a scenario where we trade Allen and Steen to somebody and they buy Steen out and we sign him back for you know league men or, or close to it but now that's interesting um, I like that just because it's fun yeah but you know, sorry, I didn't mean to really interrupt you. It was just I just had kind of thought about the Grubauer Allen comparison. No, and to that to that sort of point, it's like you know who can you trade Allen to? I feel like Anaheim is a team that could at least take on his four point five for the year, especially um, if Ryan Miller ends up retiring. Then you have Carolina, who I feel like always has their goalie situation in flux, along with Columbus. Like they just resigned. Corpusalo, but I, I don't even know. Who, oh, I guess they have Merzlikin, so maybe not. But also, is Merzlikin's like a real goalie, or is He's he just have, he you was, know was he? Uh, he was incredible for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's what I mean. Or is he a real Hamburglar type? Mm. And speaking of Hamburglar, you could just trade Jake Allen to Ottawa because of course they'll take anything. That's right. They've got all the cap space. I mean, Ottawa are going to be real merchants of doom this summer um if they want to be because they have so much cap space they've got a 41 million dollar projected cap hit for next summer you know ryan callahan's coming off their ltir as is clark MacArthur. Wow. Uh, both of whom were apparently uh, senators this year. Craig Anderson is a thousand and will probably retire ron hainsey is a thousand um Mikel Bodker they're not going to keep so they've got plenty of space to play with and that's going to be a real you know as much as Melnick is willing to spend uh, that's going to be a real boon for them as they kind of you know make deals like mm-hmm. this one potentially where it's like hey yeah we can take Jake Allen um, and you know maybe we can buy out a Steen too or whatever but it's going to cost you sort of thing yeah um, and like they'd be and again, other teams would be willing to take Jake Allen because he's he's proven that he can be a pretty good goaltender, you know, a great goaltender at some points. But on top of that, you need someone to take him. You need a taker. You need, you know, a, takes two to tango. And it's like, 
if you're planning on a trade, hopefully materializing, you know, in order to move Allen and so you can sign Petrangelo, it's just like, as nice as that is, that just seems like a bad plan, you know, like bad planning. Um, again, you can buy out Steen even, and it saves you like 2.5 million this year. Um, so those two together gets you what? Gets you your, your seven, but he's not making seven. He's making over seven, you know? And it's like, I don't know. It's, it's weird math and that like you can just barely get to signing Petrangelo and at that and is that really what you want to do too you know just be right up against the cap sign Petrangelo have whatever little amount left over for Dunn who I'm quite honestly like I'm guessing is, has to make like three Charlie McAvoy makes like 4.7 across, across like for the next three years and he's I think had a little bit more production and a little fewer games so probably a better player offensively but like I think it's pretty generous to say that Dunn would be making three million a year, and so like there goes you don't even have that right now. Mm-hmm. So it's more just like how are you? You basically have to have what twelve million dollars freed up if you want to get Petrangelo at nine and uh, Dunn at three. And you know, I think there's a good point for that um, that uh, Jr. makes where it's like, well, maybe he has to sign a shorter term. True. Deal. No. And, I, and I, I'd like to say, too, for Scandella, I understand the kind of need for someone on the left and that this, he's essentially just replacing Bo Meester. I get that part of the, the argument, and I'm, I'm fine with that. Mm. It's more just like the money you could – I feel like you were like you were talking about give Petrangelo what he needs and then work Scandella yeah. and not the other way around. Yeah, and I just want to say that like the shorter-term deal for Petrangelo – is one or two years at six or seven million. It's not like he's going to sign a a one year bridge deal at three point five or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like now here's here's a question for you. If you sign Oxfordrangelo to like a two year contract at yeah, like seven million or something like that, then when his con depending, I guess it completely depends on how he plays, but if he plays, let's say he plays just as good as he's ever played over those two years, and then his contract is up. How do you feel about not re-signing him then? A lot better than I do right now, honestly. Right? Because I kind of I think that's almost really like the best case scenario we can hope for. Yeah, because then you know a lot more about who Pareko, Perunovic, Dunn, Mikola are, and you. I mean, you know who Pareko is. That was a bad one to throw in, but you know, you know mm-hmm. more about what your team looks like. You, if Justin Falk is still here, know if he's like useless or not. Um, and, you know, more about your young core of, like, Thomas and Kairou and potentially Costin and all those guys. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's what I keep saying about, you know, Petrangelo and what I said a lot when we were talking about this back in, like, October, which is, you know, generations ago. <laughs> but, um, but you just don't have any idea what this team is without Alex Petrangelo. Maybe it's not bad. I don't think there's a world in which it's better, but maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it's still a cup competitor, but you don't know. And do you really want to throw away the cup, the first cup window that you've, that, you know, not the first you've ever had, but like the best you've ever had because you won one. So by definition, um, for like, you know, because you're worried about what this contract is going to cost in six, seven, eight years. Do you really want to close that window now? Potentially. Just because, you know, 
of what you're worried about on the back end, which is, by the way, the opposite argument I made about Braden Shin, only because I don't think you don't know what this team is without Braden Shin. It's the same team with one less pretty good forward, you mm-hmm. know, that you can hopefully let be Robert Thomas or Jordan Cairo or whoever, you know. But, like, with Petrangelo, it's like not only is he your captain, he's your best player overall. Uh, in terms of just impact, time on ice, all of that stuff. And letting him walk just to save money is a big gamble. But I do want to say, uh, and, and you know, I, I as much as we kind of neg on this, I still do tend to think it just seems so unlikely, especially with the cap problems, that he's going to leave, you know? It just mm-hmm. seems so weird to me that he would say, because he can't even now, you know, there's not even a scenario now where he hits the open market and somebody just pays, you know, a backs the Brinks truck up to his house and says, take seven years at $11 million. Mm-hmm. you know. Well, and, then it seemed like for a long time, too, whether it was just rumored or whatever, it was like he was going to go. It's either he's in St. Louis or, you know, Toronto is going to be the one that gets him. But, you know, it sounded like on the Steve Dangle podcast that Chris Johnson was saying, oh, I don't think the Leafs or that interested necessarily. And I don't think Petrangelo was that interested in coming here either. Yeah. You know? And so it was like, okay, that makes, sounds like his number one candidate outside of St. Louis is sort of dried up. So to me, it feels weird. That was the one I could see him at least being at. Now it mm. feels weird if it was like, here he is, you know, um, he's a Philadelphia flyer now. <laughs> like what? Yeah. Okay. And the Leafs certainly don't have the money either. You know, yeah, exactly. Well, like you said, I mean, to your point, there's a lot, a lot of teams just don't. And the teams yeah. that do, are they, is that the best use of your money? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. yeah. But now, now that I've said that, I do want to present the dystopian take on all this, <laughs> which, take which me there. I hear a lot. I've heard a lot in the last few days, you know, that you just have to trust Armstrong. He's got a vision. He's a guy that has his plan and sticks to it. And I agree with all that. I genuinely do. He's the best general manager we've ever had. I think in a dystopian world, you need to look at the preponderance of the evidence and recognize that the plan suggests he expects Alex Petrangelo not to be here next season. And again, I'm not necessarily presenting this as the only way you have to view it. And I just even said that personally, you know, I've moved in and out of this worldview, but right now I'm kind of like, yeah, he'll probably stay. But going back to the Justin Fox signing, that makes the most sense in a world where Doug Armstrong thinks Alex Petrangelo is leaving. Mm-hmm. The Braden Shin signing makes the most sense in a world where Doug Armstrong thinks Alex Petrangelo is leaving. Um, and now that we're here with the Scandella and the Blaze signing and the McEachern signing to a lesser extent, if there's no problem with any of those if Alex mm-hmm. Petrangelo is leaving. You know, and and you have to at least, I just, you know, emotionally, I think, just prepare yourself for the possibility that maybe Doug Armstrong does have a plan. And that plan is, I'm not resigning Alex Petrangelo, whether it's because he doesn't want to give Petrangelo a eight-year contract extension, or whether it's because Petrangelo felt slighted by the Fox signing and just said, I'm not coming back here. Or whether it's because Petrangelo said ages ago that, like, 
you know, I'm just, I'm, I want to see where my career goes after this and I want to try something new. I don't think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But you never know what's going on inside the mind of a player or with his family or with his triplets. Maybe he wants to be closer to his parents so that they can take care of the family. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. And if, and uh, if, as my cat chimes in with her thoughts, if Alex Petrangelo <laughs> said to Doug Armstrong, which would be the decent thing to do if you were a team captain who was playing you know, he was planning on playing his last season with a team. If he said to Doug Armstrong, hey, I really, you know, I just, I really don't expect to resign here. Everything Doug Armstrong has done would make sense in that world. You know? Yeah, it's like this all fits that plan. He hasn't done anything that only makes sense if we're resigning Petrangelo. You know, he's done mm-hmm. a lot more things that make more sense if we're not. And so I don't necessarily think that's the truth, and I don't necessarily think that's the outcome that we're going to see here. But I just think people, you know, kind of need to emotionally prepare themselves because I've seen a whole lot of takes on the internet where it's just like, there's no way Alex Petrangelo leaves. You know, like, of course Omri's going to keep Petrangelo. And it's like, mm-hmm. maybe not. He didn't keep David Backus. And, and I saw one person say, you know, well, if Backus left, you know, if he said no to Bacchus, he can say no to Petrangelo too. And and on the one hand, not at all in terms of the significance <laughs> of a player that they are on the team. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, in terms of their, you know, importance to the market, their their popularity with the fan base and their role as captain, then yeah, to a certain extent, he can do that again, you know? And so I just think, you know, We've talked about this a lot now, and obviously we'll just continue to until we have a solid answer on it. But, like, I just think you need to at least have a corner of your mind carved out where you let the dark, sad little man live and recognize that that's a real possibility here, that there's just there's just no there's no resolution, you know, that he just walks. And I don't want that, obviously. I desperately don't want that. But, like, I just think... I would like people as, you know, as an emotional guardian for for the listeners to this podcast, which I think both of us are, and Mm -hmm. uh, licensed professional counselors at that. Um, Just discard your heart, you know, prepare yourself, (laughs) and and hopefully it's all going to be okay. Did you have any more thoughts on on Petrangelo in general or any of these signings, anything blues-related? I thought you said discard your heart. I was like, oh my God. Or discard your heart. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the other option is you just numb yourself to all emotion Mm -hmm. and then nothing matters. And, you know, that's, that's a very legitimate path through life. I've found. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like, uh, before this cup win, that was a very easy choice for blue screen to make. That was the one that a lot had already taken. Very true. Um, Yes. Yeah. It's just odd to me that we, you've, can stare reality in the face. You can look at the cap friendly. You can see what cap space we have left. You can see we have two, technically, if you want to count Della Rose, but I'm sure he's not here next year, three players to resign. You know, you have your two and a half million or whatever it is. The two being Petrangelo. What's up? The two being Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I wanted to make sure I wasn't forgetting an RFA as well. Yeah, and like, and you're sitting there and you're looking at that and it seems like there's no way to even fit, seems like there's no way to even fit Dunn in there. Mm-hmm. And you're going to sit there and say, you know what, I think it's easy peasy, Trangelo signs. And that's just kind of like, okay, I, you know, 
whenever people type out like eight words and it's like Steen, Steen bought out, Alan traded, something else, you know, someone else traded, whatever traded, like, see, it was, it was so quick. I'm like, yeah, those, those eight words are like a lot more complicated than that. And it's just, it can happen. And if it was going to happen for a player, particularly, it would be Alex Petrangelo because you need to do those things to keep him. But it just seems like a tall order. And so to sit there and say, ah, no problem. I mean, if you don't want to worry about it because you just don't, you know, want to worry about things, I'm I'm with you 100%. You know, please don't worry about this. Let's change your day or your life. But if you're saying don't worry about it because you really think this is going to happen, because of course it will, it just seems like more of a fairy tale than anything at this point. Um but yeah, I, I, I too have to guard my heart because I, I have a Petrangelo jersey hanging in my in my apartment here and it's it's sad if he leaves. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want that and I don't ultimately, I do, it's, it's a weird thing where it's like I disagree with all the, well, this has no impact on the Petrangelo signing and all of that. I disagree with all of it, but at the other on the other hand, like, I, there's a, still a big part of me that thinks, no way he leaves, you know? Like, it'll just work out. Um, but, you know, and I hope it does. But I just I just think people need to prepare for the possibility that, weirdly, and I would speculate very incorrectly, that's where Armstrong decided he's not going to make the long-term investment, you know? I mean, that's, I mean, again, that's... It would fit with what he's said in the sense that he's like, he doesn't want to pay. He said over and over and over again, he doesn't want to pay players like these players, these outstanding contracts, especially in terms of like the, the value, the year to year value and the cap hit. And so if there was a player to make an exception for, it's probably your captain, your number one defenseman. But I also understand that that's something you said and you might have to take that to heart and think this is what he really means because he really kind of has done that so far. He hasn't signed the player has where they've just been far and away. Seven million a year. What's that? Has he ever play, paid a player more than seven million per season? I mean, I think what Tarasenko is like seven point five. Oh, they're, but, they're at seven point five. Okay. Yeah, so but um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, but still, even then, what? Petrangelo at that point was 6.5. So, like, it's just 1 million more than your next highest player. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not something ridiculous. Like, Doug Armstrong was not signing the, um, you know, the offer sheet for Mitch Marner at like 11.5. Just to be like, ah, <laughs> oh, we got him. Like, he, that's just like not him ever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just one of those things where if, if Alex is asking for nine and if you as a fan think that's too much, and to be fair, maybe it is. Like, I will say that if Petrangelo leaves, I'll be sad, but I'll be very intrigued because I do think there is a little bit of ballsiness to being like, you know what, this is our captain, this is our number one defenseman, but nine million or four for that many years is too much for us. And see you later. And like, it might hurt the team in the immediacy of making that decision, but it might in the long run save the team. And so I can't really say I'd be necessarily upset, if, you know, like angry if he doesn't sign for trans. I'll just be very intrigued. I'll be yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be, be it'll be all eyes on that. Because, you know, I mean, I'll hate him if he goes to Toronto because I hate Toronto. But, like, you know, and I hate that whole narrative of, like, well, you've got to come home because this is where hockey really matters, you know. But, like, Mm -hmm. it will be bittersweet in the sense that, like, I won't have any hard feelings, you know, unless unless a story really does come out where he was like, fuck you, St. Louis, or whatever, (laughs) which I think is very unlikely since his wife is from here and he won a Stanley Cup here. Um 
you know, it'll just be kind of like, oh, this is an entirely different world. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'll feel. I mean, I know he said it's not exactly the same, but it'll definitely, I think, feel like the the Bacchus walking thing, where it's like, huh? Yeah, I, I knew this was a, a possibility and the most likely thing to happen, but now that it's happened, I'm kind of like, oh, this is odd. I didn't know I could. Didn't know you ever something ever happened, much like this pandemic, and you ever <laughs> think to yourself, wow, I didn't think I would ever be alive for this. Yeah, yeah, much like this pandemic. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, huh, weird. Um. So yeah, and and I'll just say this parting thing: the the constant quiet confidence of Jeremy Rutherford. I mean, I really trust his instincts on this stuff. So the fact that he pretty much all season has been like, yeah, it'll get done, does make give me a little hope, at least, that it'll get done. Um, but we'll see. I suppose that's the last word on that, unless you have other last words. Mm-mm. All right. Metro for Metro. <laughs> there we go. I the, Yeah, go to the Metro. That'd be fun. That'd be weird. He's just like a Florida Panther next year. Get crazy with it. Are they Atlantic though, aren't they? So never mind. You can get fucked. Uh, um, Dustin Bufflin. Speaking of, of veteran defensemen, big buff, big buff, and uh, the the Winnipeg Jets and Dustin Bufflin have mutually agreed to terminate the defenseman's contract. Uh, according to both the NHL and the NHLPA on Friday. Uh, this move resolves also resolves Bufflin's grievance against the club. This is a whole bizarre story that, you know, we I don't have all the details to unpack in front of me, but basically the Cliff's Notes version, which, by the way, they are Cliff's Notes. They're not Cliff Notes. So, you know, just keep that in mind. But um, <laughs> the... <laughs> The, uh, this, you know, but this has been dated back to basically the end of last, um, last off season, uh, where, um, where Bufflin, I guess, reported for his end of year physical and the doctor gave him the all clear and then he developed like a, a developed isn't the right word for it he had a broken ankle um i don't think you develop a broken ankle um and you know they didn't treat it over the off season so it got worse and worse and worse and then he you know he was in a lot of pain and when he came back for camp it's you know they basically told him you're not healthy to play and you need to be healthy or you're basically violating your contract does this all seem right to you yeah, yeah. And then, you know, there was basically a, a disagreement because Bufflin felt like, you know, he, he, the doctor signed this okay ag- agreement to say, hey, you're healthy. And, you know, then he went home and he wasn't healthy and, and he came back and they told him he wasn't healthy and that was on them. Uh, and the team felt like it was something that he wasn't maybe transparent about and didn't get the proper treatment for. And it was a whole big mess. Um, and, you know, it, it just uh, now it's just at the end where it's the 35 year old Bufflin is now an unrestricted free agent. Uh, and as you asked, where will Buff play next? What do you think? Mm, I don't know. Montreal. 35. I think he's going to go to the Carolina Hurricanes. Ooh. Why? I don't know. Reasons. That seems like a team that's always trying to get better and generally does, but somehow it's like takes one step forward, but also one step back at the mm-hmm. same all the time. Remember when they traded for everyone at the deadline? Remember the trade deadline? Wow. Um, 
I feel like Bufflin is a guy, you know, I, again, hope this doesn't happen, but like if, if you lose Petrangelo and you need a stopgap for a year or two, as you figure out what foot to put forward, if you can get Bufflin for a few million rather than like six or seven, I wouldn't hate it, but you don't know at this point, unless he plays, you know, unless he finishes out the season, whatever that looks like, if there is a season, um, as we'll talk about here in a minute, um, you know, unless he finishes out the season f- with some team and looks fine, you really don't know what he is. So I don't mm-hmm. think any team, especially in a cap-strapped offseason, is going to say, hey, yeah, let's give Dustin Bufflin a three-year, $12 million contract or whatever. You know, because even though he was still, I mean, he was a nightmare in our in our playoff series against them and apparently had a broken ankle while he was doing it. You know, um, I mean, he was phenomenal that series. I think he was their best weapon the entire series. And so it's not like before this and, you know, in, in a vacuum, he was dropping off considerably as a player. Um, but you just don't know, you know. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when an older player misses a year, you just can't know what he is anymore and he's just lots and lots of hard miles for that guy too or just like at some point stuff's just gonna stop working well it could be that it was a peter forsberg or joe sackick i think it was forsberg where it was like you know he had some long-term injury and he was like i can come back now i think i can get you know another season or two and and then he played like two games and he was like nope i sure can't (laughs) (laughs) i think it was forsberg who did that and it's like you never know i don't think bufflin's the type to do that and i think he'll be hungry to you know prove himself but like it could happen where he gets back out and says oh this ankle really can't hold up to the rigors of an nhl schedule you know i got yeah i got because i definitely think he feels like he wants to it made it i mean this whole saga's made it sound like he really wanted to play just not for the jets anymore more or less yeah and so it'll be interesting i don't know i could see him being in montreal for some reason just because i feel like it would be cool you know although you know i i don't know what their defensive situation is join shea weber yeah there you go that'd be a that'd be a, a pairing um let's talk about the league and the rona and one's implications on the other, and the other's implicate. Really, it's just a one-way relationship. Yeah. The NHL has no implications I on the ground. Just slap shot that bitch out in the sun. That's right. Freeze it. Freeze it. And shoot it into the sun. Uh, the NHL and the NHLPA are exploring options for an altered Stanley Cup playoff this summer, but specific neutral site locations have not been discussed. So we talked about North Dakota, I think, last week or two weeks ago. Uh, but uh, Donald Fair, the NHLPA executive director, told ESPN's Emily Kaplan and Greg Wyshynski that other than the general understanding that they're looking at all possibilities, which includes neutral sites, neutral being defined as a place that isn't a home base for an NHL team, uh, we haven't had those discussions yet, Donald Fair said. Uh, Gary Bettman said... Um, we want to be ready to go as soon as, as we get a green light. And the green light may not be a crystal clear because there may still be some places in the country where you can't play and other places where you can. We're, I'm just slowly becoming Gary Batman. We're looking at all options. Nothing's been ruled in. 
uh, nothing's been ruled out, and it's largely going to be determined what we do by how much time there is, because we have next season to focus on, as well as the health of the country. I love how it's next season and then the health of the country. Uh, and by the country, I mean both Canada and the U.S., obviously. Well, of course, Gary, you're very you're, you're an international man of leisure. Uh, Batman confirmed Wednesday that the league is probably going to be playing into the summer if the season does resume during an appearance with Fox Business Network. Ooh. Uh, and uh, as you pointed out here, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who most people I assume know and love, infectious diseases expert, said Wednesday that the only way sports can return soon in the United States is if games are played in empty venues, which I think is entirely a given at this point. Yeah, that's just like, of course. You mentioned earlier that you don't think the season will resume. Mm-hmm. I have come around to the point where I think they're going to try and ramrod this thing through in some capacity. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to feel that way too because it just you would think there would be more and more indicators of people going, ah, "I just don't think so. Oh, yeah. I don't know anymore." At least within the league and I get that that's something they don't want to do because the the Gary Batman works for the owners and the owners want money and so they want to be able to play these games. So he's not really going to say anything, that's, you know dead in the water until it really just is and there's nothing else they can do so they're gonna they're gonna hold this carrot in front of everybody for as long as they can but at the same time it does feel like as many reporters for the nhl that say like oh you know in my personal opinion i don't think it's gonna happen i feel like that's everyone i've heard it still seems like every time they talk to the nhl there's like just a little bit more news in terms of them saying yeah we're looking at this we're looking at that we're actually thinking about this and it makes me think that they I agree that they really are just going to be like, you know what, fuck it. We're all playing, you know, in Tucson, and that's just how this season's going to end. Sorry, everyone. That's like, okay, cool, I guess. Yeah, and I think, you know, and as we've always said, the rules here are we know nothing, and anything we say, especially about public health, certainly confirm with other sources. But, like, there's a very, there's a, a real sense in which the worst of this whole situation is probably behind us only because like i think the the biggest fear at the in the early going was like hey this could get so out of hand so fast that the hospitals will be totally overwhelmed you know and we'll have doctors choosing who gets to go on a ventilator and and you know who basically dies in a hallway like they did in italy i know that's dark but it's true and like you know it it seems like because of the social distancing and the mitigation we've basically you know prevented that sort of a situation where the medical facilities are overwhelmed and we're also increasing capacity at the same time so like while we don't know what a second wave looks like and we certainly you know can't have large crowds for at least the time being if not until there's a vaccine you know i do think there's a sense in which like we've kind of forestalled or or hopefully and I think possibly entirely invented, prevented kind of the worst case scenario. I don't know if you agree with that. Maybe you think I'm an idiot. Um, but uh, at the same time, like that's such a gap between like, hey, things are looking good. We're probably past the peak. And also, on the other hand, like, let's start the NHL season again, you know? <laughs> and like, and um, I just think you know as we've talked in the in the past i don't know how if even one person gets it in your quarantine scenario i don't know how the season continues 
you know, especially if all the teams are in one place in one. Yeah, I was gonna say it's one of those things where you can try this, but then I think it's like your one shot. You know what I mean? Let's do it, and then if someone gets sick, then it's like, and we didn't can't award anything anymore. And the funny thing of it is, I've heard people talking about like, well, you know, players get injured. You know, so if a player's injured, they gotta sit out. We don't stop the season for that. You know, so if someone gets sick, we gotta. Yeah, but a separated shoulder isn't communicable. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, yeah, but all the people he was just in the out exactly the the your broken leg isn't gonna make everyone else's leg broken just because you're all in the same room. And in this, you know, in this extended season scenario, everybody is. Even if they do, which I've heard more and more, is like there. It won't be all the teams in one place. It'll be you know four hubs, and you'll have all that. You know, you'll have the central division teams maybe in North Dakota, and you'll have mm-hmm. the Pacific teams in I don't know Reno or someplace. You know, and you know wherever. But um, you know, even if it is that, it's still like they're going to be sharing. You know, quarantined in the same hotel essentially, or one or two hotels and sharing the same locker rooms and it's just like you know it i don't i don't see how you totally prevent it but at the same time like you know i'm the whole world is having conversations now about like okay we've shut the entire world down for literally a month plus now we've got probably several more weeks of that to come but at some point we have to be like a functioning world again, you know, to some extent. And I don't necessarily fault the NHL for trying to participate in that conversation for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there certainly are places where this virus has had none to very minimal impact, you know, and maybe you can find four of those places and, and get all the players there. I would think even if you were doing that, you'd need them to quarantine two weeks before the tournament. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you can't have them potentially carrying the virus into that place. Um, but, you know, maybe you can do that and maybe it works. It just, it it seems ridiculous, and I would say no way it's going to happen. I just feel like I'm hearing it so much. And on top of that, I do think the news is kind of generally positive, even if this is still very serious. You should still be social distancing as much as you can, like, you know, all of that. I, you know, it's a, it feels in general a little less apocalyptic. Again, I don't know if everyone feels that way or if it's just me being an idiot, but like, it does seem like something. And I, I just know the NHL well enough that if they can kind of crowbar this thing in here, even if it's not entirely safe or smart, but they aren't stopped by the government, uh, they kind of will do that. I don't know. What's your read on any of what I just said? Idiot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's weird because I think like it's going to take until probably June until you hear like any like real plans mm-hmm. like from the NHL or really I feel like maybe maybe even the government or anything in terms of like here's what we're like. You might hear, you know, we're going to reopen in these phases and yada, yada, but I don't think it's going to be till June that anything even, like, actually happens, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, actionable actionable items, as they would say. Um, but, yeah, then you have to give players time to, to practice with each other, and before that, they probably have to quarantine for a little while longer, and then you got to figure out if these sites work. I don't know. Anyways, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I don't think they'll be playing these games until maybe August at the earliest. Mm-hmm. And in which case, then this becomes, you know, 
your same old, same old uh, two two month playoffs where if you start in August, you August, September, you give them what October and November off and they start another season um, in, I don't know, January perhaps even. And at, to a certain extent, I actually don't mind that if they give them more time off and we go for like a 40, whatever, eight game season like we did in 2013. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, that's cool. I'm, at that point, honestly, I'm fine with it. But um, it's just, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting if they do the playoffs this year and the cup gets awarded because let's say it's, I don't know, just pick a random team. It's, uh, I forget who's in even in it. Dallas, Dallas wins. Dallas wins the cup. Awesome. That's amazing. Dallas will not have a, um, they will not have a parade. There'll be no parade. If they do a parade, it will be many, many, many months later. And to be quite honest with you, um, if it was the blues, if the blues did their parade many, many months later, maybe it'd be different because it's the first cup they've ever won. You know, had they not won last year, but it's something that I just think is going to feel so weird and mm-hmm. so just like out there. And are you going to have the parade in the middle of the season? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do? I know this is like just a random, just like honing in on one specific thing, but it's like it is going to be very. I think some people think, oh yeah, the win the cup, there'll be no one there. That will be the only difference. There's going to be a huge difference in how this cup is won. Yeah, like in terms of like the coverage of it, like what it's going to be like after the fact that you're now the cup winner for um, a couple months mm-hmm. instead of like a whole summer. And then it's like right back to business again. It's like, well, that's weird. I, I mean, you did win the cup. It all counts, you know, nothing. I mean, if the blues won, any team wins, I'm not going to count it, you know, nothing against them. No asterisk. Everyone's playing the same, you know, for the same thing, uh, same circumstance, but it's just going to feel so fucking weird. And on top of that, like who knows what restrictions there will be in terms of like, um, you know, like taking the cup to your home city. And stuff oh, like yeah. Um, it's just all very bizarre. And I think, you know, on top of that, you've got to get a scenario where like right now, you know, the league told players to go home, which means as far as I know, Carl Gunnarsson is in Sweden right now. So you can't even do a season until you know those people can travel back. Mm-hmm. which is another whole thing it's like it you know it's just if i was just sitting in a room right here and it was my call i'd cancel the nhl season but and i know that's not the fun thing you know i know mm-hmm. uh, we'd all love hockey to be back we'd all love there not to be a global pandemic um i think you know i don't know maybe there's some sinister pharmaceutical giant out there who's who's glad for the chance to make billions but i think most of the world's population would be pretty glad not to have this um Mm. but you know it's just kind of like there's so many moving pieces that if it was just in in my gut or even my call it'd probably be the end of the season but it just seems like the nhl is so determined and on top of that I think the NBA is trying to do it and the NFL is trying to do it and MLB is trying to do it. You know, it's not like the NHL or this rogue actor. I think if I think if the NBA had already canceled its season or the MLB had, I think the NHL being kind of the the ugly stepchild of that group would be forced to kind of say, "Okay, we're canceling because they couldn't necessarily handle the bad PR mm-hmm. of having of being the the organization that still did it, you know." Mm-hmm. especially if it went south in any way. But um, 
you know, as long as the other leagues are trying to, we kind of saw the, the inverse of this when the NBA canceled and then the NHL canceled. Um, I just think, you know, they're going to try and get through this and force it through. And, and there's a sense in which I would love that because I think the world will be better when we have more things, even if we're not, mm-hmm. you know, rushing out to, to attend games or watch them in a bar. It'd be fun to have that on the docket rather yeah. than be like, oh, yeah. I'm going to watch For all sure. these Netflix shows. We're like, oh, tonight is, you know, game three of Toronto versus, you know, Tampa. They're like, oh, sweet, I can watch that. I don't think I recognized how much sports I used to watch. You know, oh, until yeah. we did this, because like I would have known if I'd like step back and think about it. But now, every once in a while, I'll just be like, "Man, what did I used to do?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> like and and in St. Louis, it's pretty much year round that you know at least two or three times a week you get a, a game on. You mm-hmm. know, because you get the Cardinals right after the Blues, and I, you know, I love the Cardinals too. I don't watch them as religiously, but when I want something to do, I'll turn them on. It's just kind of like. You know, I'd, I'd love for that to be back, even if it's a little surreal and a little empty arena. And, you know, I've, you know, wrestling's been doing that and, and it's weird and you kind of get used to it if you watch it enough. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's a weird situation. I, but I, again, as I've said, I just feel like the league is really trying to do it. And so I think it'll take a lot to make them finally say, no, we can't. And that's why I kind of think, well, it's more likely than not right now that they will find a way if they can. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I will say this, though. If they do play, if they end up doing the playoffs and they do a Stanley Cup playoffs and all that, there's an uneven amount of games that are currently played by all these teams. And so I think it's right now there's just no way. Sorry, Connor. Uh, there's just no way that you're going to play the remainder of the games. No one's going to play enough games to ever have everyone be even. You're not going to finish the season. There's no you know, reason this to. Was. There's no reason. Just two point percentage. Yeah, and on top of that, there's no reason to bring the Red Wings. And bring, oh yeah. However, you know, even if they do a bare bones organization, that's still fifty people with trainers and and equipment people and all that that they need. You know, there's no reason to bring those 50 people to wherever this quarantine location is just to mm-hmm. have them lose five games and then quarantine for two more weeks and go home or whatever. You know, I guess they do that in reverse. I guess they can go home and then quarantine. But like, it's just, you know, I don't that doesn't seem to be any logic in that. But and if your team misses the playoffs because they were a bubble team and they got moved around because of point percentage or yada yada, just be better. I yeah. just don't care. I don't care at all when people are like, it's unfair. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's also unfair. A giant pandemic, so I just don't care. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry that this weird, crazy thing happened and your team didn't make the playoffs. And the season will start again in approximately two weeks after the playoffs are done. So, like, it's fine. There are a lot of people in the world who have gotten shafted a lot harder by coronavirus than the Winnipeg Jets would if they missed out on the playoffs by 0.03% of the points, you know? Yeah. And again, those are the teams that aren't going to go anywhere in the playoffs even if they make it. So. Oh, man. Sorry. So, yeah. On a, when they talked about on the Dangle podcast with Chris Johnson, I'm just going off the rails here, and he's talked about when they get to 32 teams, they really should expand the playoffs because, like, oh, what's I the difference between, um, you know, Winnipeg and Nashville right now? They're only separated by, like, two or three points. You know, what's the difference? You can't really say one's in and one's not. Actually, Chris, you can. You just make a line. You just yeah. say – 
you're the better team now. Like if you're going to go by that, just you're going to have to wait until this giant chasm in points exists and you go, see, there it is. That's the bad team and this is the good team. It's like, no, you, you just put a line in the sand and if you're below it, it's tragic, but you don't make the playoffs. That's how it's always worked ever. You even said something about like, I think, when you're up to 32 teams, 16 is just too few to include. And I'm like, half? Half <laughs> is too few to include in the playoffs? It's like, what's the point of the regular season? Anyway, yeah. Yeah, I sorry. I was just like, I was laughing my butt off. I was like, no way, man. Even if, you know, I guess that scenario would be like, you probably go to 20 and just have a play-in in each division, do nine teams and have at least, you know, a one or three game play-in series. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah it's just that's all nightmare i don't know um but yeah that's that's the hockey world i don't know is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get out of here um play animal crossing you you know if you have if you have a switch you should get animal crossing because you'll think to yourself i i don't care about this game this is such a boring game it's just life you know i'm just paying a debt and making a little dinky house who cares but then i played it for four hours the other day imagine so, you know, though living a normal life like you can't animal yeah, exactly going outdoors no pandemic and animal crossing. interacting with people although it was banned in china i believe well because i mean people you kept they using banned the virus people kept yeah. using it to uh promote like hong kong <laughs> so like it's awesome that's awesome i'm not laughing at that it's just like so china you know to be like oh this person put the hong kong flag in animal crossing and so now we've got to ban it it's like good you know i don't want to get political but i'm not a big fan of china so there we go (laughs) i put that out there and now just hot off the presses wayne gretzky says I think it's going to happen in terms of the hockey world returning in June or July. So and he's the great one. He's the great one, folks. You know, you don't, you can't question him. So there's your answer from him. Uh, anything else you want to discuss, or you want to get out of here? Let's get out of here. I got I got some oranges to pick. That's right. He's got Animal Crossing to play, folks. You can find us on uh, Call of Duty Warzone. Oh, we gotta do that. Ian and, and Gift Jeff and I. It'll be a real fun time. Uh, until we talk next week, which will be a day. I'm not sure what, but you know, we don't have. Maybe there'll be lots of news. Maybe we just blew our load and that's as all the news we'll ever get again. But uh, we'll talk soon. And until then, stay healthy, stay safe, and, uh, you know, sign Alex Petrangela. See ya. See ya.